Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered, Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry-Lowitz, and I am here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Welcome to the Elisa Unfiltered Podcast. My name is Elisa. I am your host, and today it is Wednesday, February 2nd. Okay, so I love episodes like you're about to listen to right now. This is my favorite, favorite, favorite subject. The subject of food, our relationship with food, diet culture, and really redefining the narratives around what we think food is, how we treat food, how we view food, how we label food, how we label ourselves when we eat food, all of these things. uh, I made it my mission to redefine in my life. And I really don't think that there's any better way than to bring on dietitian Michelle Yates. She's a registered dietitian and licensed medical nutritional therapist. She has her master's in health psychology and has made it her life's mission to both treat and prevent eating disorders through intuitive eating, non-judgmental coaching, and fighting diet culture. Hello. If you have any contradictory beliefs about what you think you know, how you've learned to eat, how food has become a moral issue for you, and you're curious about intuitive living, intuitive eating, listening to your body, having that mind-body connection, this episode is 100% for you. I mean, we just chat. This is a chat. This is like, you know, girlfriends hanging out, talking about our experiences with food and with life and the realities that so many of us are so easy easily dismissing in our lives and we're denying and we don't want to look at it we don't want to think about it we want to stay in our conditioning and keep repeating patterns and habits and rituals that are no longer serving us so i just want to tell you a little bit more about michelle she actually grew up in the dance world and experienced her own disordered eating as well as some body dysmorphia so through finding appreciation for the body, she has been given this opportunity to heal her relationship with food, and she now works with women all across the disordered eating spectrum, which is something that very much resonates with me as I was on the disordered eating spectrum as well, but I didn't know, so I had dismissed it and denied it. So this might be, uh, you might have some light bulb moments here because she does really talk about people on that spectrum, those who struggle with viewing food as a friend or a foe, those who are constantly turning on and off a diet, yo-yo dieting, if you will, and those who need medical attention. I love this conversation. At any moment, anytime, please press pause, give this podcast a five-star rating and a written review, and then enjoy. Happy listening. Here is Michelle Yates. All right. Hello, Michelle. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Okay. So we actually have never met in person. And I think, I don't even know how I started following you or how we became in, got into each other's circles, but man, your message resonates so hardcore with me for so many reasons. And I am stoked to pick your brain on all things diet. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited and I'm I'm ready to You're ready to go. You want to dive in? Okay. (laughs) Let's dive in. Um (laughs) you know, we were we we talked about maybe recording the show around the holidays or just at after the New Year's and we're talking about New Year, New You messaging, which I have to say. Maybe it's my algorithm showing me what I want to see and maybe not, but I saw less new year, new you messaging this year than ever before. Was that the same for you? Like are are, are things shifting a little bit? I think, well, first of all, I think the algorithm knows that I'm going to hate that kind of stuff. So I think there's a little bit of that. And then also 
on TikTok, because I'm fairly new to TikTok, like in the last year, so my algorithm is still learning who I am. Yep. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, I've seen a lot of uh, like weight loss motivation stuff, like especially right after the new year, there was the videos of people, how they looked a year before, you know, when they started their new year's resolution versus the following year. And so that was mm-hmm. kind of like, oh, man, I don't really want to be watching these, you know, and then yep. the comments of course are just like, you look amazing. And I'm like, these mm. poor people, like, how do they feel when they read that comment? Like, I didn't look amazing before, you know, I didn't look mm-hmm. amazing a year ago. It's just kind of, it's hard for me to see stuff like that. Cause I feel like it's a validity or validating that those people needed to lose weight in order to be approved of, you know, I do. But then there's the other side of the coin. I mean, being someone who was heavier set at one point, I mean, I have lost over uh, almost a hundred pounds in my life. Um, it is validating when someone says you look thin or you look so good because, you know, you're working really hard and you're changing your life and you're focusing on your body and you're focusing on your diet and what you're eating and you're trying to be quote unquote healthy. I mean, there are healthier ways to do it. And then there's some very unhealthy ways. And that's kind of where I want to go because my whole life, I mean, coming from a sports background, having my life explode, uh, gaining a whole bunch of weight and then yo-yo dieting for about five years to try to lose the weight and get my athlete, my old body back. I mean, when I kind of sort of did that and I have this conversations with so many women who have lost weight, they, they actually, they do see their older body or their bigger body as less than that. No, they weren't as good. It's literally like deep in the in the belief system that no they weren't can you speak to that a little bit yeah I think it's really like you know how do you define I mean this is this is really deep but like how what is your identity put in is it in your appearance or not because if it's in your appearance number one you're going to be set up for (laughs) disappointment Mm -hmm. the rest of your life Mm -hmm. you know you're going to age you're going to get gray hair you're going to get wrinkles all kinds of fun so Mm -hmm. you have babies you know yeah And then also you're going to be chasing a certain image all the time and you're probably never going to get to it, you know? Mm -hmm. So then there's just like never that full happiness and that full joy. So I think it's, yeah, people are gonna, if their identity and their worth is in their appearance, then they're going to see the lesser attractive version of themselves as always being less than, you know, Mm -hmm. they're constantly striving to, improve their image and and reach that ridiculous standard that's fake anyway well that, <laughs> you know, yes we on social media <laughs> <laughs> you you nailed it yeah. there i mean that that's it's so interesting how <sighs> beauty standards beauty standards mm-hmm. and 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 fashion and every it's trends so things are trendy like I am so thankful that the eyebrows of the world are starting to kind of look normal again because I know I could hardly even look at people and that was considered beautiful and I was like oh my god it's the most unnatural <laughs> decade of ever um but it's it's interesting when you grow up in that how you say identity to the way you look it's interesting how the strive becomes external so you're always looking for something that's not actually part of who you are and you're really striving for things that you want in your life as opposed to what you need and I really think that the fastest way to get instantly happy is to focus on your needs versus the external wants the external but dial culture really has its hooks on it's sneaky oh it's super sneaky. And I think the timing of us chatting now, just uh, a few weeks after New Year's, when people are starting to maybe f- fail, dare I say, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. and, and, and they're seeing people succeed, which means that they're failing or they're seeing, um, I don't know, some, some kinks in the, in the chain, uh, in the plan. So... Maybe let's speak. I'd love for you to speak a little bit to the psyche of someone who has a New Year's resolution to lose weight Uh that is struggling right now. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, So if they're struggling right now, then I'm guessing it's because 
they aren't losing the weight that they wanted to maybe as quickly mm. or at all. Mm. Um, well, I would, or, I, I, I want to say, and, or, yeah. Uh, some instances where like, I felt the, the struggle was when I did lose some weight. So I was like, Oh, I can eat that pizza. And you start to like add in new foods and you start to break the form of the diet. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was going to say that too. Like they're, mm-hmm. it's either they're not losing weight or they did. And now they're starting to go back to old habits and they're getting discouraged because, Oh wait, like that wasn't manageable, <laughs> you know, whatever mm-hmm. you did before. And, um, that was the reason that weight was lost. And so when we return to old behaviors and regain weight, it's so discouraging. So I think there's, man, the psyche of that person is, again, just, they're probably feeling really discouraged and like they're broken and there's something wrong with them. And I think that's Mm. what I hear the most Mm. from women who come to work with me is they, I'll ask them, you know, what they've been doing before. And it's like all those crazy diets, you know, anything and everything that you've heard of that people are doing in the last month. And they always say, well, it worked for a little while until blank, you know, like until I got married, until I went on vacation, until the weekend one time, until the birthday party. And they're like blaming themselves that that diet didn't work. And I'm like, what do you mean that it worked for you though? Because it obviously didn't. If you couldn't like live Mm. life normally, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like going to mm. going on vacation or a weekend or like a birthday party, those are all normal things. And so if you're following a diet that doesn't like a lot for that and your weight loss is dependent on you being like good and following the rules, even during those times, then it didn't work for you. Like it was the problem, not you. It's not your lack of self-control. So mm. I think that's like probably where a lot of, women and even men are at right now is feeling like, man, I'm the problem. I'm the failure. But, you know, just to encourage anybody listening to this, like, think about it though, is what you're planning to do. Is it really sustainable for you? Then maybe it's actually the plan that's not working, not you. Like the plan is broken, you know, not Mm -hmm. you. You're not a broken person. So that's my my thought. So for the yo-yo dieters, I mean, I have some theories because I was one of them, but, um, I'd love to, I'd love to pick your brain about sort of the collective because it's interesting how hooked I would get on the newest diet and I would try it. I'd have some success. It would be great. I would lose some weight. I would feel really good. I would look good. People would compliment me. And then I'd go back to old habits. Then I'd be like, Ooh, new diet, keto. Let's do it. Lost some weight. Blah, blah, blah. I literally went through that cycle and lost like tens. Like I would lose like 40 pounds, gain 45 back, lose 50, Uh gain 55 pack. And I would like, I yo-yo dieted. I yo-yoed hardcore. So my body, like I was putting it under so much stress yet. I never, it took me a long time of putting myself through the same repetitive body shaming stress of a diet to, to finally clue in, wait a second, maybe (laughs) it's, not me. Yes. <laughs> Maybe it's <laughs> yes. So how do you how do people sort of I, I guess there is a question in here somewhere. Let me phrase it a little better. How, <laughs> how can we break free from that mentality when we think that diets work and we keep going back to it? Yeah, I think like one of my favorite ways to think about this is to think about who's profiting off of you gaining weight and thinking Mm. you need to lose it again, Mm. you know? Yes. Um, These diets are, like, literally designed to do exactly what happened to you. Like, you lose the weight, so it gives you hope. Oh, this product or this plan or this system is working for me. Mm -hmm. And then the weight comes back, so you're just back to square zero. So it's just creating this repeat customer. And that's why the diet and weight loss industry is 
oh gosh, what is it at now? Like something ridiculous. It's in the billions. Of it's like 8 billion. Course. Yeah. It's like 8.2 billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something ridiculous. It just makes me want to like jump off a building because it's so depressing. <laughs> that something like that is so profitable because you think about why, why is it profitable? If the product really worked, then you shouldn't have that many repeat customers. That doesn't make any sense. And so I think when people kind of step outside themselves and think about that and think about, oh, it makes sense that I'm actually being set up to fail Mm -hmm. so that I can continue to keep chasing the same thing and keep being being put at square one to start over. That way people are making money off me. So why do, who are the one or two or five percent that diets work for? Like if you Google what percentage of diets work, it will say 95% of diets do not work. It will Google. (laughs) So who are those 5%? I don't know. I don't know. You've never met anyone. (laughs) I worry that they're the people that end up with a really bad eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And that's why it worked because they were predisposed to that disorder and it got even worse through a diet. And now they're really good at sticking to that diet just because their disorder is taken over. You know, mm. that might be a little extreme or alarmist, but I don't know. That's it's a great question. I'd love to meet these people. <laughs> so I, I also kind of think that maybe, maybe um, these people have maybe done a diet to lose the weight, but they have done so much more for their psychological well-being and improving their life. And really, because that's kind of what happened with me when I had this wake up call. It's like, oh, shit, I'm I'm just yo-yoing here. Like, do I got to change? I need to change something here. Something's not right. So when I started to change my mindset and really understand and pay attention to my deep seated beliefs and my relationship with food, then I, one could argue that I was on a diet to lose the weight and keep it off forever. But the reason I kept it off forever was because I blew up my entire relationship with food. I, I, I stopped seeing food the same way. I started to learn the val- my own value and my own worth and then was yeah. able to to fuel myself. I don't know. I don't like that word either. Do you like that word? Is fuel something that you use? I, I like it, but it also, like, food isn't always fuel either, though, because sometimes we're just having something because it tastes good, you know? like Yes, thank you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. When people are like, I see... Food, food is fuel. It's sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes it hooks me. Like it triggers me a little bit. Cause I'm like, sure, bud. Like, when do you have fun? When do you yeah. just overeat? Because you really just want one more piece of pizza. <laughs> right. It just tastes so dang good. And we're gonna, we're gonna go with it. You know, like, yeah, I agree. I think it can be a tricky phrase. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think food definitely is fuel. You know, that's not like Mm -hmm. incorrect, Mm -hmm. but if we put it in a box like that, then we get set up for feeling guilty if we decide to use food for something other than fuel, which is just pleasure and experience and social environments, you know, like, and that's normal and that's okay. We don't need to feel guilty for that, you know? Okay. So before I get into intuitive eating, which is, would you say your expertise as a dietitian? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, okay. Before we get into that, I, I want to just so, sort of tie up some of these diets because um, you speak really intellectually and, and at a level where people can understand, like you almost take what's really happening and, and make it understandable. And I want to just touch on two or three diets here that are trending okay. and sort of the beliefs. Well, I appreciate that. That's that are, a compliment. Well, there you go. I really want to touch on the first one, which is intermittent fasting. What are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Yeah, intermittent fasting is, is red hot right now. Red it? hot. I feel like everybody's doing it. Yes. <laughs> I concur. Yeah. And I don't know. It's like, what What do you even mean by that, too? Because, like, everybody does it so different. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we've got the five and two people where they're normal eating for five days and then fasting for two. And then we've got the 16, eight crowd. I don't know. Anyway, um, 
What I think of it is, I'm going to be a little harsh and probably offend some people, and they're probably going to want to jump off your podcast. Um. <laughs> uh, well, you know, I I, th- I would like to think that people here are really like curious. I would I would encourage everyone to listen to this through the lens of curiosity because these are trends and you're being sold an idea and you're you've bought into it. So it doesn't make you a bad person for buying into it. Both of us speaking right now have probably tried intermittent fasting. I most certainly did. Oh, yeah. I sometimes even 100%. do it by accident intuitively and I'm like you know, like, holy shit, I haven't eaten for like 16 hours, but I wasn't hungry and I wasn't whatever. But anyways, that's another story, which I'd like to talk to you about later. But if you're, if you're intermittent fasting, you're not bad. You're not wrong. However, there are some red flags that we don't talk about as a culture because it's anti diet culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Anything anti narrative is like shunned. So yeah, go for it. I love that. Like you're not, you're not a bad person if you're doing intermittent fasting. I truly believe that anybody on a diet just, they honestly think they're doing their best yeah. or the best thing for them. Totally. So I never really, I, I don't judge people for that. Um, but I think that intermittent fasting, I, I saw somebody else. It was like a post from another dietitian. I absolutely loved the way that she phrased it. She said, it's strategic starvation. And mm-hmm. I think like, like I talk a lot about just being like, logical when we're thinking about nutrition and and our patterns and the choices we make and starving yourself isn't very logical when you really like think about it you know like Mm -hmm. (laughs) also we're fasting every time we sleep through the night so it's kind of like that's one of those things that people use you know like oh your body does amazing things when you're fasting or or whatever and and, and they're saying that as if we never do fast. And so we have to like create this extra space for it. But the truth is that we're fasting every night and our body is doing stuff to rest and repair. And then when we wake up, if we're waking up hungry, which I think a lot of us do, there's a good reason for that. It's because our body is requesting. It's so kindly requesting some nourishment. <laughs> right. I think like my biggest concern with fasting is that a lot of times it can be a disguise for um, an eating disorder or disordered eating. And that was personally like how I used it when I was struggling with disordered eating really badly. I tried fasting for, I don't know, maybe even like only a week because it's, first of all, just not very sustainable. But that was like, it was this amazing out that I had for anybody in case they expressed concern right? Like, oh, are you eating enough? Why aren't you having dinner? Whatever. It can just be like, no, I'm just intermittent fasting. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay, that's normal. And that's fine. And we don't need to worry about Michelle because of that. And that's what I worry about with this is that a lot of physicians and even dietitians will get behind it. And they're potentially missing like some pretty serious issues in their clientele because they're just saying, oh, I'm fasting. Interesting. But yes. What's the reason? You know, what's the reason for the fast? So, yeah. It's really interesting. The like the hormone imbalances that come from fasting. But however, there are some really interesting I don't want to call them pros, but studies around fasting how how uh back in hundreds of years ago when food wasn't when food wasn't as readily available as it is now that, you know, when we were hunter gatherers, especially men, they would go for long periods of time where they wouldn't be eating. And same with women during the winter months, it would be different. The diet sort of change. And so, however, for women specifically with hormones and they were the ones cooking, they would eat a little bit more than the men. Men can potentially fast for longer. Like there's all these arguments that logically kind of sort of make sense So that's one of the things that I found really hard when I broke my intermittent fasting obsession was, uh, was that I'm hungry (laughs) in the morning. I want to eat. And I think it was, it was eating in the morning was sort of my lead domino to tip over the rest of my health and balance my hormones and just, kind of get me into a better place but I was Mm -hmm. so in 
closed in this idea that fasting was gonna help me. I don't know. Can you speak to that? Well, you know, you brought up the research on that and I think you can find research that backs up just about any diet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you can also find for every like one study that supports it, there's probably like five that point out how terrible of an idea they are. Um, but yeah, I think your body's always wanting to find homeostasis, meaning it just wants to be balanced and it wants to, like you're talking about hormones, it wants to get enough nourishment in the right forms and amounts and exercise mm. and sleep and everything. So that everything can be balanced. Your hormones can function properly. You can have enough energy to get through the day. You can think clearly. And that's why we get these wonderful little gifts like hunger and fullness and being tired and being sore or even pain. Like we always think about pain being so negative, but it's actually kind of a gift because it's pointing out, hey, something's wrong here Mm. that we need to give attention to. And that's going to help that body heal if we give attention to it. You know what I mean? So I do. It's like when we, with the problem with fasting is it's encouraging the person to have complete disregard for what their body is telling them. And how are we supposed to reach homeostasis or a pure state of balance if we're completely ignoring what our body asks us just because of what the clock says? So that's my main issue with it. That's <laughs> I have a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and I actually, uh, it's going to be one of my podcast episodes. So feel free to yeah. listen to hear all my other thoughts. I would like to link your podcast because you're going to be new to the podcast world. Amazing. I'm so excited. I'm so That's excited. So scary. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. The first time I ever heard OMAD, like the one meal a day diet, it was on the Ben Greenfield podcast. Do you know Ben Greenfield? You know, it's so funny. I actually know his sister. Oh, actually, you know them personally. I personally know his sister. And so, yes, I know who Ben Greenfield is. I don't think I've ever met him, but... You're right. Oh, yeah. I know who he is. Okay. Well, I was, like, obsessed with his podcast because he's so out there and, like, I mm. disagree with so many things he says, but I'm still so fascinated about like, Oh, he's a fascinating. Creature. He's, he's fascinating. And I heard about this one meal a day day. I'm like, so, so you're saying people like get up and they go to work and they work out and they move and they hang out with their kids and they have one meal a day. Like, how is that a thing? I would die. I just want to know if those people are happy or not. It's just such a simple question. Are you happy? <laughs> I want to know that too. Cause like, what if they have two meals a day? Are they going to like, is that the end of them? Are they going to like go to rock bottom and think that they're the worst person ever? Like, is that, yeah. Well, they'll probably feel guilty, you know? I would imagine. I would imagine if your life revolves around one meal a day, holy shit. Okay. So, okay. Next diet. This is humongous here in Canada. I know that you're in Nebraska in the middle of the U S Noom. Oh yeah. Tom, yeah, talk to me about, everywhere. I, I want to, I think I've said this to the listeners. Maybe I haven't, I'm not sure, but, um, I downloaded Noom for some research cause I heard that their app was just so intuitive and it was like fantastic. Mm. And I wanted to structure it just for like my own personal coaching reasons. So I paid for three months in Noom. I, I logged in and I sort of went through the red light, green light. I went through the drink water, you're not hungry, you're thirsty mentality. And I was so triggered. I couldn't even, I couldn't even continue. I did two weeks of like some research. Yeah. The app is actually cool. How it's set up, how the videos come on, how the experts are there. And I was like, this is very unhealthy for me right now. Can you speak to Numa a little bit? Good for you. Just first of all, want to celebrate that. For just knowing this (laughs) is triggering for me. This is not good for me. I'm going to delete this and get it out of my life. That's amazing. So good for you. And they're tricky because they send you emails like the devil. I had to unsubscribe. (laughs) (laughs) Even when you unsubscribe. And I'm like, you don't know who you're targeting right now. (laughs) Yeah, you know, you don't. (laughs) Okay, so what is Noom? What's the problem with Noom? Why do they say that they are not a diet when they really are? I I want to preface this by saying that I have an eating disorder client who's a young girl. 
she's probably, I think she's 15 now, but when I first saw her, she was 14. And she came to see me for bulimia because of Noom. Like, there was a direct link to Mm -hmm. this started being a problem after she downloaded Noom. And I know that she's not the only one out there like that or with a story like that. So keep that in mind. I've got a little bit of a (laughs) jaded lens because Mm -hmm. I'm upset for my patient, Um, but also many people elsewhere that are triggered by this program, like you just mentioned. So. Yeah, I mean, the problem is that it's exactly what you just said, is that it claims it's not a diet, and it actually shows up on Google. If you search intuitive eating, it will pop oh, up get as, like, out the of here. first ad. Ah, like, they've targeted that phrase, and it is. Like, it just absolutely is a diet, and that's what's so frustrating about it, is that people who think they're doing this, like, kind of like we touched on before, that they think they're doing all this psychological work, and, and mindset work and getting to the root of their behaviors for, with food, they're not. Because at the end of the day, they're still being told what's good and what's bad by using this ridiculous little stoplight system. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, red foods. How is anybody supposed to feel good about eating a food that's red on a stoplight? Yeah. You're never going to be okay with that. It's like a signal that you did something bad and that you're supposed to stop, yeah. you know? So it's not intuitive because it's still telling you how you should eat. And I've heard from so many dietitians that say they get patients from that, that their patients were put on 900 calorie diets on new or 1100 or the most I've heard is 1200, which 1200 is still a starvation diet much less, I mean, 900 calories a day. That's insane. That's insane. And we're acting like that's not a diet, you know? I think I had 900 calories at breakfast today. Honestly, in in one, that's my one meal a day. I would be on a nomad diet. (laughs) Yeah, there's this this video going around right now that somebody's like, you need to eat 1,200 calories a day. And then the person's like, "Uh uh-huh, okay. And how many at night? (laughs) And I'm like... That is such an accurate, like a, a yeah. valid question. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I would be asking if somebody said, Michelle, you can only have 900 calories a day. I'd be like, um, you better have a follow-up to that because that's insane. That's less than my daughter eats probably. And she's one and a half. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting you say that. So I interviewed Bonnie Rooney. She's the diet culture rebel on Instagram. And uh, she was like, yeah, the $1,200, $1,200 calorie diet is like calorie? some kit. It's even not enough for kids. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's like the needs of a toddler. Yeah. It's the needs of and a toddler. And we're expecting adult bodies who are stressed and exercise and are running around chasing their kids to have only 1200 calories. Like that's insane. The biggest thing around Noom that sort of, I think people see as a positive is that it does get them out of just focusing on food and food restriction. Mm -hmm. It does get them thinking about food in a different way. So I understand the psychological quote unquote fuckery of it because you are like when you just go on the keto diet, you have you, you have your food, your yay list and your nay list and it's yeah. super fatty and whatever. Um, no carbs. So that's it. You have to just there's one lane. Whereas yeah. Noom, there's like a couple of branches <laughs> sure. cuts in the road. So it makes you feel like it's not a diet. Mm-hmm. But there's massive restriction. So what qualifies as a diet? What what are the signs that you, you are on a diet? Well, a lot of anti-diet dietitians are probably going to have the same answer. And I know a lot of people agree with, uh, disagree with us. Sorry. Okay. Um, anything that's pursuing weight loss, we consider a diet. Just oh. because if you're pursuing weight loss, you're going to have restriction somehow. Okay. Even if you're in the keto realm, you know, I think people are like, that's not restriction. Like I can eat whatever I want. It's just that I can't have carbohydrates. The end goal of that though, if we really look at it is less calories because you're cutting out an entire food group, like not even food group. You're cutting out an entire macronutrient and there's only three. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
with intermittent fasting, again, we're, we're shooting for restriction with limiting ourselves to how often we can eat. Um, and same with Noom. And so I think that's when we're in pursuit of weight loss, it's just in my professional experience, I've never seen somebody pursue weight loss and not have restriction as a part of that with their diet. And that's when we start to see things like binge eating and food obsession, the yo-yo dieting or the weight cycling, which is even more dangerous than being overweight potentially is, mm-hmm. is the like constant cycling up and down. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just, I always tell my clients like, Hey, if we really want to work on your relationship with food, are you willing to put the pursuit of weight loss on the back burner? Mm-hmm. Just off the table for a little bit, right? If you're going to work with me for only four months, can you just do that for me for four months? And then if after working with me, you want to go back to it, fine. But hopefully you'll find that you don't need to because that's not your focus anymore because you're finding fulfillment through things that have nothing to do with your weight. And if weight is supposed to come off your body, it will. But we're just not worried about that. We're not focused about on that. You know what I mean? So that's um, anything that's like, like encouraging weight loss is kind of a red flag for me mm-hmm. because I can pretty much predict there's like restriction somewhere in there. You know what I mean? I absolutely do. So what about a person who might be in a medical emergency with their weight? Mm-hmm. Uh what what do we do in those situations? Yeah. Um, because well, I think... I, okay, I, I also, before you answer that, I just want to say, like, that I believe at health at every size. I really fundamentally do believe that. And yeah. that's a very new belief for me. That's not something at all yeah, as, like, a high-performance... Yeah, as a high-performance athlete, like, growing up in this system where I was, like... I'm a World Cup gold medalist. I was the best athlete in the world in the sport of freestyle skiing. Like we were conditioned so hardcore to eat a certain way and be a certain way and burn calories and act and do all these things. And I was so disciplined to that narrative. So like actually, and when I saw someone who was overweight, quote unquote, it's my, my first instinct was always like to assume that something really bad happened to them, that they were suffering from some sort of trauma, that they were undisciplined, that they, you know, ate really poorly, but that's so not the case. (laughs) And it took me a lot of years of growing up and maturing just in my own self to see that. So with weight, like my personal perspective on that is that it's always a side effect of something else going on. And I think we've gotten really used to saying that that itself is the problem and like is the illness, like even mm. with the whole obesity epidemic stuff that was yeah. that George W. Bush that said that, like we need to yep. declare a war on obesity or whatever. I remember. Like, it's not an illness it's a side effect just like anything else just like our energy levels are um yeah I don't know I can't think of anything else but it's just it's a symptom I just like I hate that people get diagnosed with oh they're obese or they're overweight because I don't see that as the diagnosis it's just a side effect of there's something else going on though yes and so a lot of times people that are in like that morbidly obese category or whatever, we can tie that back to their behaviors with food. And it has to do with, there might be an eating disorder going on. There might be like pretty severe depression. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's almost always involving mental health. And so that's, that's where my concern goes is what's really going on here. Like let's look past the weight and just see that as a side effect along with every other thing that these doctors write on their charts as the symptoms that they're experiencing. So does that make sense? Absolutely. And I want to segue this into intuitive eating as you are an expert at that, because intuitive eating has just come into my life, like basically just as the pandemic started. So um, just over two years ago, I, yeah, I really 
acknowledge that I was almost doing it naturally, but also not. (laughs) I needed a lot of help with rewiring my mental, like my ability to understand what being intuitive really is. Because I, I focus on intuitive awareness, so our thoughts and beliefs. So I can really get diagnose myself in the mind. But when it came to my body and actually like connecting the mind body, woo, forget it. That's a whole other ballpark. Yeah. So let's, what is intuitive eating? Let's, let's talk about that. It's listening to your body's needs in terms of nutrition. What is your body requesting of you? And removing that focus of weight and calories and labels and trying your best to eat in a way that's natural and has nothing to do with outside influence or food guilt or whatever you quote unquote should do. So that's my best way of saying it, which is still such a vague answer. (laughs) But why does everyone think that intuitive eating means you can just eat whatever you want whenever you want? Well, because it does. But the thing is that when you're intuitive and really tuned in to what your body's requesting, it's not always going to be ice cream and brownies. And so that's the thing is that people just get so afraid of I'm going to have zero self-control if I do something like that. You know, you told me that you can eat, that I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to sit there and eat chips all day long. No, you're actually not because you're going to get sick of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to be like, man, I kind of want a good salad right now. And, and that's just like the beauty of it is that it really ebbs and flows. And it's so cool even just experiencing it in pregnancy because I'm pregnant right now. Yes. yes. Um, and some days it's like, I think my body really needs more salt because it turns out my blood pressure's down. And so that's like, there's a reason for that. Mm. And then, you know, I'm like really craving something salty. And then the next day it's like, it evens out. You know, I really want cucumbers for some reason. That's been a big thing lately. I actually love veggies this pregnancy. That's been fun. Um, but I also, you know, I also love other things that are maybe quote unquote unhealthy. And so it's just, it really balances out and that's the issue that I think kind of gets people taken off guard is they're like there's no way and it's because they're so conditioned to what's good and what's bad that they always want the bad foods because we're human we want what we can't have you know like yeah we never really grow up in that sense (laughs) my daughter wants what she can't have and so do I as an as an adult so that's the difference there is that we take all labels off of food together and then it's not about going crazy on one type of food because everything is up for fair game and so we can really listen to what sounds good and it's not always going to be the same thing. So is there a period at the beginning, so when you start your intuitive eating journey where you do sort of binge on everything, like is that a thing? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. I, I warn my clients about that. I say, you know, you're probably gonna have a little bit of a honeymoon phase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's the, uh, it's that, sh- that shift from what's off limits to now it's all on limits, I guess yep. it's all up for grabs. And so that's really hard to just go from zero to 60. And there's definitely the chance that there's going to be some overeating or binging in that, uh, that shift time period. Yeah. Because if all foods are allowed, like, hell yeah, I don't have to feel guilty. I'm going to eat all of the things and then I'm going to feel like shit and have to pay attention to that. Cause intuitive eating, like at least on my journey or at least how I started to do this was like, I was paying attention to the way I felt, not the way I looked yes, and not the way I felt in the sense of like, Oh, I'm so bloated. I ate too much. I should never eat that again. I mean, mm-hmm. yes and no. Yes and no. But I was saying like, oh, that just made me so fat. I'm so bad because I'm bloated, mm-hmm. you know, To versus the like, oh, maybe that food isn't necessarily serving me right now. Like little, there's like, right. there's like yellow flags more. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting too, because as you get along in the process, you learn that certain foods are just kind of off limits for you altogether. Like if mm. I have more than like one tater tot, I like don't feel good. Mm. But 
like there's other foods that it's just the amount, you know, you just have to learn what amount of that food works well for your body. And then it gets even more complicated because if you combine it with other foods, well then maybe you can have more of it or whatever, you know? So that's the beauty of it is that you're always learning and there's never like this finish line that you've just like learned everything and you know it all. I don't think we ever get there. You know, it's, it's a process. So for that person (laughs) that has that honeymoon phase, it's actually a really good learning opportunity for them because they're like, Oh, I actually hate the way that that made me feel. My stomach is killing me. I don't think I want to do that again. And then they start to give themselves allowance, you know, to learn new ways of eating. I think that I don't want to do that again. Realization is super powerful. And that's something that like a diet wouldn't let you even get to the point of questioning how you feel because it's just like, yes or no, green light, red light. And Mm -hmm food becomes a moral thing. I'm a bad person because I ate the cake and the dissonance in our brains is so crazy when you're on a diet and it's your birthday or it's your whatever and you have to pick and choose and either way there's a consequence and you're bad and you're going to shame yourself later and like fall off the wagon and all these things like these narratives just like yap at you all freaking day. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like it, who wants a cake made of watermelon on their birthday? Let's just all agree that we don't want that. And that's okay. It's so funny. <laughs> I have had a watermelon cake on my birthday. I was like gluten-free, dairy-free, sugar-free, fun-free, all the things. Yeah. I did that for ever. I did that's it forever. Weird. And I was like, I put myself on a pedestal. I, I yeah. felt better yeah. than than other people. I, I felt superior because I was clean eating. I was like this. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's incredible how the oh, ego I've, works. I've yeah. The pedestal is real. Like the, it's like once you're on the other side of it, you're like, man, that's a really <laughs> shitty way to like view other people is from that pedestal. You know, like you've got no, is it ever um, empathy for people? <laughs> you just think you're better than everyone. If you're following the diet perfectly, you know, Yes. And people would be like, how do you do it? Send me your secrets and like, help me. And I was just, oh, what a crazy, I love the way you put that when you're on the other side of it. So interesting. Okay. So the last thing I kind of want to talk to you about, let's talk about the pandemic 15 or the pandemic 20 or 30 or whatever the number is. Uh, Because a lot of people have gained weight in the last couple of years. For the people that have gained weight, mm-hmm. what's something like a, what's a positive light message that you can give them to help yeah. give them hope and maybe connect to their bodies a little bit? I think first of all, we survived a pandemic. So <laughs> let's just kind of focus on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of what our weight is, we survived a pandemic. Well, you know, we haven't survived yet here in Canada. We're in full lockdown. Like I live in Ottawa and we are fully locked down in the red. Hey, really? Yep. Things are opening up on Monday. We have, yeah, there's a lot of, yeah, no gyms, no restaurants. Is it lockdown or has it been like that since the beginning? We've gone back. We've, this is our fifth lockdown. Okay. We are in a oh, yo-yo okay. of psychological fuckery and it's horrendous. <laughs> and a lot of people can't decide. <laughs> oh, it's, it's been really, it's been really awful for a lot of people. And yeah. 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 So, and the weight gain is real. The stress, the cortisol, the adrenaline, the hormones, the, mm-hmm. the things. Yeah. So, sorry, yeah. I cut you off. We're in Canada. We're in pandemic still. <laughs> yeah. No. And I mean, we are here too. It's just people, well, Nebraska is a very conservative, conservative state. So we're kind of probably the least of the <laughs> pandemic yeah. people because everybody wants their freedom and everything. So yeah. um, that's kind of, that's funny. But <clears throat> anyway. I think like with the weight gain, oh yeah, it makes sense that a lot of people are seeing that because they're stressed. Mm -hmm. And so cortisol is through the roof. Yeah. And that makes a big difference on how your body holds weight and everything. And then we're also moving less. A lot of us are Mm. working inside now or working from home. Sorry. And even just like the if you're at an office, you know, just walking around, going to the restaurant, like mm-hmm. going up and down the stairs, like stuff like that, 
Like I think about when I used to work in a hospital and I was going up and down stairs all the time. Yeah. To now, like what my life looks like is just so different, even in terms of that non-exercise movement. Yeah. Just daily living. Yeah. So that's another thing too, is we're just generally moving our bodies less. And then if you struggle with using food as a coping mechanism, oh, well, now we have it in front of us all the time. Yep. Because we're right next to our kitchens. Yeah. And especially if you don't really have that many people around at home, then nobody's there to, to see you for you to feel like you can't do that. So there's so many different reasons I think people are gaining weight and... First of all, give yourself grace because this is a hard adjustment. I don't think it's been easy on anyone. Mm -hmm. And second of all, look for why that was a symptom. What's What's it a symptom of? Is it, do you struggle with emotional eating or binge eating? Then let's look at your relationship with food or would it be good to serve your body with some extra intentional movement? Or do you need to go see a therapist? That's okay too. You need some more sleep. <laughs> you need some more sleep. I think it's really important to see the weight gain as a symptom. Your message, like immediately, I love everything you're doing. It's, it's, I love your messaging. It's very healthy and positive and supportive of the body and living intuitively. It's not just eating intuitively. It's like living in your body and not looking outside of yourself to be fulfilled. It's like answering your own questions and paying attention to what those questions are in the first place. And you were talking about cues and like how it's a gift, like how incredible of a message is that, that your hunger is a gift, that fullness is a gift. And like when you're on a diet, you're turning that switch right off. You're turning that switch off. You're ignoring that switch and being able to sort of have the curiosity to to, I don't know, explore that a little bit is like, if you're in the space, if you're listening to this right now, then definitely give Michelle a follow. If you're, if you have the willingness to explore that space between diet, 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 my weight is, is my worth and, and just feeling your feelings, (laughs) then she's going to help you a lot. She's going to help you a lot. Let them all in. Let the floodgates open. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me today. I feel like this isn't the end. We should continue, continue a, at some point um, in the future. I'd love to have you back on the show. Um, I love that. I love that. I appreciate you so much and all your kind words. That really means a lot. Well, um, I hope everyone floods the gates right now. We have international <laughs> listeners. I think there's like 98 countries that listen to the Elise Unfiltered podcast right now. So, woo! <laughs> That's exciting. Exciting. That's awesome. Okay, well, until next time. Thank you. All right, let's do this again sometime. Thanks, Elisa. Okay, I'm over here giving you a big virtual hug because you just finished another episode of the Elisa Unfiltered podcast. If you haven't done so yet, head over to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify and give this show a five-star rating. I'll give you bonus points for leaving a written review. And if you're looking for more, head over to elisaunfiltered.com for show notes and all the links to all things Elisa Unfiltered. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time.